0: Good morning, everybody. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter number one. Isaiah chapter number one, right there in the middle of your Bible. Uh, while you're turning, uh, let me say I do apologize for not being here in person. I would rather be here in person, but we got just a couple more days uh, that we're trying to be really, really careful. Uh, I believe we're over the, the worst of it, but we want to make sure and, and, and be safe, uh, so we one more Sunday we'll be out. And uh, I'll get to see you in person next Sunday. But uh, don't think this is a coincidence either. Uh, we just happen to be uh, targeting our country. Our country is under attack without a doubt. It's under attack spiritually. It's under attack in, in so many different ways. Uh, we had planned to visit with several pastors in Atlanta last week. And right before we were planning to go and, and, and help them to, to start DMD groups, micro churches. Uh, I got the COVID, my wife got the COVID and, uh, we had to cancel that. We tried to do it, uh, through the zoom, which was not very effective. Uh, but none of that's an accident. I believe with all my heart, Satan is doing everything he can to try to stop what we're trying to accomplish, uh, with our mission here at Temple Baptist Church. So you be praying, pray the next two or three weeks as we go through this series on one nation under attack, that we'll do everything we can to reach our, our nation, Uh, I love my country, I'm a patriot through and through, uh, and I pray that God will do a work in our country again, amen. So, let's uh, go ahead and begin Isaiah chapter number one, and let's begin reading in verse number two, Isaiah one, verse number two. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot, even into the head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughters of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, and a lodge in a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been at Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. ye ear, uh, Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand? To tread my courts, bring no more vain oblations, incenses, and abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you know my condition and you know my frailty. And you know my weaknesses, and you know how desperately I need you right now in this hour. Lord, I pray right now that you'll give me the strength that I need, give me the air that I need. I pray, Lord, that you'll touch my body. I pray that you'll speak through me and give me the words to say, Lord, I love my country, and I want you to move in our country. I want you to do a work in our country, and I pray that you will help us to be a catalyst to seeing that take place. I pray your perfect will be done. God, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, please don't let me say anything uh, or, or forget to say something I should. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Isaiah chapter number one, we find the prophet is speaking to a backslidden nation, a prophet who is, is concerned about his country coming back to God. And, and man, as I read this, I read it over and over and over again, and I could not help but look at the similarities between the nation of Israel during Isaiah's time and our nation right now. And I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about in these particular chapters as, as we begin Let's look at the first few chapters and see one, number one, if you've got your notes with you. I hope you, you picked up the notes out of the, the holders on the wall. Uh, but let's just go through the notes and, and, and fill this in as we go, okay? Number one, I want you to see the conditions this described. From verses number one to verses number eight, he describes the condition of the nation. He describes the symptoms that they are, uh, they are experiencing, what they are going through and what they are dealing with. And he says here... In verse number two, he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children. I have nourished and brought up children. So the first thing I put is this. A, write this down. I want you to see this. We see a blessed nation. God is telling the people, God is telling the nation that I have brought you up, I have nourished you. I took a people who were a group of slaves in a foreign land and delivered that group of slaves and brought them to a promised land, a great land, a beautiful land, and made a great nation out of them. And boy, I tell you what, you cannot, you cannot. Not see how God has done the same thing with America. God has blessed America. America is the greatest nation on the planet. He has blessed it in economic ways. He has blessed it in so many different places, in so many different ways. God's hand has been on America. America is a blessed nation. But not only do we see that he blessed this nation, he blessed this people, he poured his favor in his his anointing on these people. But look at this, look at the next verse, next part of the verse. He says, I have nourished and brought up children, but what did they do? They have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider, Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto an anger. They are gone away backward. So what do we see now? Not only do we see a blessed nation, but we see a backslidden nation. A backslidden nation. He compares them to a a dumb ox, a dumb uh, domesticated animal. He said a, a dumb ox has enough sense to know where his food comes from. He has enough sense to know where his shelter comes from. But the nation, <coughs> the nation of Israel, doesn't even have enough sense that the ox has. And I'm afraid we're seeing that today in America. We've forgotten where the blessings have come from. We have forgotten the touch of God. We have forgotten the presence of God in our country. We have backslidden and gone away. Several words are used, rebelled, forsaken, provoked. We are seeing that in our country We've decided to take God out of our schools. We've decided to take God out of our government. We've, we've got a, a, a government party now at this time that will not even say the word God or recognize his, his uh, existence in our nation. Our nation has turned its back on God. Our nation has walked away from God and forsaken God, just as the nation of Israel has in this chapter number one. But then I want you to see this. I want you to see, not only is it a blessed nation, it's a backslidden nation, but now it's a battered nation, a battered nation, write that down, a battered nation. Look at verse number five. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. Now look, what is he saying there? He, the Lord is saying, I've tried to correct you stricken he has tried to, to to discipline them he's tried to uh, uh, really what we call a good old-fashioned whooping he says why should i do it anymore why should i correct you anymore every time i correct you you still rebel more and more and more now i want you to see how he describes this this correction he describes the discipline that he's allowed to come against a nation look how he describes it he says, the whole head is sick, the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot, even into the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. So what is he, the first thing we see? He said in this, in this discipline that God is allowing to come on the nation, the nation is sick He's describing it as sick. He's describing it as a sick body, not just one part of the body. He said but from head to toe, from the top all the way to the bottom. When he says the whole head sick, he's in reference to the leadership of the nation. The leadership of the nation is crooked. The leadership of the nation is sick. Now, how does that relate to America? When you have a when you have a excuse me, TV program promoting pedophilia on a TV show, you know the nation is sick. When a popular TV show host calls a Christian vice president mentally ill because he believes that God will guide him, you know our nation is sick. When a state governor, Governor Gavin Newsom of California, signs a bill lessening the penalties for sex with a minor, basically making pedophilia easier you know our country is sick. When politicians in New York celebrate the heinous ability to abort a baby right up until birth, you know our country is sick. When the governor of Virginia suggested a mother should have the right to terminate a baby even after it is born, you know our country is sick. When churches and pastors are being threatened and fined for simply opening the doors of their churches, you know our country is sick. When states are making laws and trying to force school systems to allow boys and men to be able to use women's showers and bathrooms, you know our country is sick. When a Christian baker is forced to the edge of bankruptcy for not going against his Christian convictions, you know our country is sick. When a pagan religion called Wicca, which is basically witchcraft, is the number one fastest growing religion in America, not Christianity, but witchcraft. You know our nation is sick. When the Barnett Survey Group says that one out of every five churches will close in America because of the ramifications of the coronavirus, you know our country is sick. One out of every five churches in America are most likely going to close because of the coronavirus and the ramifications from it. Our nation is sick. Ladies and gentlemen, open your eyes. Look around. Our nation is sick. Our nation is sick from head to toe, from the tops of... Listen, all the way from Washington to California, our nation is sick. How does he describe the discipline? How does he describe what the nation is going through? The conditions described, he says it's sick. But then look at this. He says, verse 7, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your cities... (coughs) Your cities are burned with fire. There's not a day that you can't turn on the TV and see our major cities on fire. You see our uh, rioting in the streets, the, the, the municipalities being bombarded, uh, police vehicles being set on fire. Our country is sick. Our cities are burning. <clears throat> it says, strangers, devour it in your presence. It is desolate. As overthrown by strangers, I challenge you to go into the majority of our, uh, our, our convenience stores. Go into the majority of our motels and see that they are being foreign bought and foreign owned. Strangers are taking over our country. Do you realize that 30 million acres of farmland in the United States is now owned by foreign entities and foreign countries? Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying our nation is just like what we're reading here in Isaiah chapter number 1. Our country is sick. Our our cities are on fire. Our our country is being taken away from us and and surrounded, besieged by foreign entities. We have a problem in America. Can you see the descriptions that he gives? The nation is in a bad way. It is a, it was a blessed nation. It is now a backslidden nation. And because of the backsliding state of our country, we are a battered nation today. But then, number two, I want you to see this. Not only do we see the conditions described in verses one through eight, but I want you to see in verses 11 through 15, I want you to see the cause determined. The cause determined. <coughs> <coughs> If you're going to do anything, if you're going to fix the problem, if you're going to change a nation, you've got to understand what caused this to take place in the very beginning. We look at, we look at the world and we say our country is in the shape it's in because of all the sinners, but I beg to differ. Listen, when, when a nation is blessed, it's because the churches are doing what they are supposed to be doing. Uh, The churches have such an impact and such an effect. They are to be salt and light to their communities. And when they cease to be salt and light in their communities, then you see the the deterioration. Then you see the rot and the ruin in our communities because the church itself is not having an effect on its communities. And the country is just the shape and a reflection of the communities in it. Now look at the calls we find. The Bible says in verse number 11, Verse number 11, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, <clears throat> who hath who required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations, incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. in other words, I can't put up with this anymore. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. <clears throat> and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, I, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full. Of blood. Now, I want, to give you the, I want to give you the two words and just write them down. <clears throat> I want to give you the two words and just write them down in your notes and then listen, okay? Write these two words down. The cause determined. The prophet is now telling them why the nation is on fire, why the nation is being plundered, why the nation is sick and in such a bad way. And he turns to the religious people. He turns to the, to the crowd who are supposed to be uh, walking with God and knowing God. And this is what we find. We find two things. First, religious habits. Write that down. Write that down. Religious habits. He began to list all of their religious activity. <clears throat> Every bit of it. Their, their festivals, their times of worship, how they came and offered sacrifices. Now, now here's the thing you got to get. Here's the thing you need to see in this. Everything that he just listed, everything that he just described, God commanded them to do it. Did you hear? God commanded them to do it. In other words, all the things that are now making God sick, now that God is not putting up with it, every one of those things was commanded by God to perform. In other words... They were going through religious routine. They were, they were going through doing the things that they were taught to do. They were going through fulfilling the obligations and the responsibilities that they had learned from generation after generation that this is how God said to do it. This is when God said to do it. This is where God said to do it. Are y'all with me? They, they, they. in other words, they were not irreligious. They were not atheists. They were still going, and let me just apply it to what we'd understand. They were still going to church, doing their church thing. They hadn't stopped going to church. They were going to church faithfully. They were going through all the rituals. They were going through all the routines. But there's a problem. What made it to the point that their worship was making God sick? I want you to see this. Write this down. Not only do we see religious habits, but we see religious hypocrisy. Religious hypocrisy. You see, here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the problem. If they're not the same on Monday as what they were when they walked into church on Sunday, that makes God sick. You cannot separate. You cannot separate worship from the worshiper. In other words, you can't have your Sunday person and then be something different on Monday. It, it, listen, here's what's happening in America. America. People are still going to church. People are going through the routines. People are going through the habits. They've learned how to do church. They've learned how to sing the songs. But when they go out of the building, they are nowhere near God. They have not been changed. They have not been restored. They, have, they, they go out the same way they come in. And God said, it's making me sick. It's making me sick I submit to you this morning that the problems in our country, the problems in our cities, it's not coming from the drunks. It's not coming from the prostitutes. It's not coming from the gays and the transgenders. It's not coming from everything that we think is causing an issue. It's coming from God's people who are not living like God's people, who are not operating like God's people, and not being the church in the communities where they reside. It's hypocritical worship. Hypocritical worship Isaiah twenty nine thirteen He begins to describe He says Wherefore the Lord said For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Isaiah fifty eight one <coughs> Cry aloud. Spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice, they take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure. In other words, they enjoyed being religious. They enjoyed the ceremonies. They enjoyed the routines that went with their religion. He said, you do all of these things. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate to smite with a fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. In other words, they were doing what they were doing to be seen. He says, Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bull rush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? In other words, he's saying, All that you're doing, he said, is that really what I'm after? Is that what I'm seeking after? Do you think that I just want to see you put on a show? A religious formality, a religious show for everybody to see? He said, let me tell you what I'm after. He said, is this not the facet I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. That ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal bread to the hungry? That thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, thou shalt cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. In other words, he says, I want your religion to be real. I want your religion to affect those around you. If all your religion ever does is get you in the doors of a church, but it never affects your community, it never feeds the hungry, it never covers the naked, it never sets the oppressed free, then your religion is in vain. You're playing a role. You're playing a part. You're a hypocrite. Matthew 23, 27 describes them as this. This is in the New Testament. Woe unto you. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear outward, beautiful, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity Titus 1:16 they profess that they know God but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate in other words useless useless you look good on the outside but you're good for nothing you look prim and proper You look like Johnny B. Good. You look like Joe Christian on the outside. But when it comes down to what's real, when it comes down to being what God wants you to be, you're good for nothing. Good for nothing. 2 Timothy 3.5 Having a form of godliness, (coughs) a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. What does that mean? A form of godliness. If you've ever poured concrete, if you've ever poured concrete, you have a form. You put up the batter boards and you you make the form of whatever shape it is that you're pouring. And, And the form is there, but there's no substance there. And what he's saying, you have a form of godliness, but there's no substance. There's nothing real. And he's talking to the nation. He's saying, You're going through your religious habits. You're going through your religious routine. You're showing up. You're singing your songs. You're giving your little offering. But you go out no different than you came in. You're no closer to God when you leave than when you came. He said, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Our churches have lost power, our churches have lost their testimony. Our churches have lost their effectiveness in our nation. There was a day when the church was respected. There was a day when the church was honored. There was a day when when the church in America was looked at as a blessing and as something that was needed. But now it's looked at as something that's not necessary. A non-essential. And I'll say this, I hate to say this, but you know, in many communities, the churches that are in them are non essential because they're, they're, they're not salt and they're not light. The Bible says, when the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing to be cast out into the street and trodden underfoot. In other words, if it's not affecting, if it's not creating a change, if it's not doing something to better the community, it's non essential. We see <clears throat> the cause determined. The church is not being the church. The church is occupying space, but it's not being effective. It's not changing the community. It's not bettering the community. But then we see number three. We see the cure delivered. We see the cure delivered. He, he gives three words that I want you to focus on. Three words. <clears throat> says in verse number 16, wash you, make you clean Wash you, make you clean. The first word is wash. I want you to write this down in that that, that blank. I want you to write the word repentance. Repentance. What our nation needs today is for America's churches and America's church people to repent. If they haven't been disciples who are willing to make disciples, they need to repent. If they've not had an effect on their, their communities, if they've not had an effect on their neighbors... If they're not making a difference in their lives, if they're coming and going through the motions and just have spiritual habits, we need to repent. We need to confess our sin. We need to say, God, we're sorry. We're sorry we're not fulfilling the obligation that you've given us and the responsibility you've given us to be salt and light to our nation. We need to repent, confess our sin one to another The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to wash. That's repentance. But then look at the next word. Look at the next word. Wash you, make you clean. And I'm so glad when we do repent, He will clean us up. He says, put away. Put away. Look at those words. Put away. The evil of your doings from before mine eyes. And look at this word. Say this word with me. Cease. Cease to do evil. You see, we have the word wash, which I believe is repentance. Then we have the word cease. I want you to write this down. Reform. We got to change. We got to change. We can't just be sorry about our condition. We got to change. If we've just been in a spiritual stupor, we have to change. We have to stop that. If we have not been a witness, we have to start being a witness. If we've been an obstacle holding people back from coming to God, we have to stop these things. Don't just keep saying, I'm sorry. Don't just keep saying, God, forgive me for my foolishness. And then you're not willing to stop your foolishness. He says, cease. You can't play games with God. You can't just go over and over and over and say, God, I'm sorry. And then you just keep Being foolish and doing the things that you know that God doesn't want you to do. We need to cease, which is reform. That means change. That means change. Our nation will never change till our churches change. Wash means repentance. Cease means reform. But then it says learn. Look at this next word. Verse 17. Learn to do well. Learn to do well. Let me say it again. Learn to do well. What is doing well? Seeking judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Learn is recommitment. <clears throat> Wash is repentance. Cease is reform. Learn is recommitment. Recommitment to what? The Great Commission is simple. It says, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 Go, teach all nations, which means make disciples. Make disciples. Teach all nations. Listen, win them to Christ. Share the gospel. Lead them to Jesus. And then do what? Teach them to do all things whatsoever I've commanded you to do. In other words, there's a learning process. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ? When's the last time you led somebody in living like Christ? You see, that's what a disciple is. A disciple is one who lives like Christ and leads others to do the same. A disciple is one who makes disciples. A disciple is one who has shared their testimony, shared their story, shared their faith with someone and led them to Christ and then taught them how. When's the last time? Have you ever done that? If not, it's time. If we're ever going to save our country, if we're ever going to change our nation, if we're ever going to make a difference, if we're ever going to turn this mess around, then we got to start right at the grassroots and start making disciples right where we are. Listen, recommitment. Recommitment to the Great Commission. Then then lastly, let me just give you this because I'm out of time. I want you to see the conclusion decreed. The cure delivered... In the conclusion decreed. He says this. <clears throat> Come now. Let us reason together. Saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient. If. If is a huge word. If ye be willing and obedient. Ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel. Ye shall be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Two things I want you to see in the conclusion. There's an invitation to cleansing. There's an invitation to cleansing. He's saying, come, don't stay in the same shape that you're in now. Don't stay in the same position you're in now. Come, he says, let me clean you up. Let me change your position. Let me change your status. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He's inviting you to cleansing. But then here's such an important, here's such an important point. He's inviting you to a choice. He's inviting you to choose. And choose what, preacher? <clears throat> Verse number 19. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let me ask you a question Do you want the good of the land, or do you want to be devoured by the sword? Are you happy with your nation? Are you happy with your country? Do you like seeing what you're seeing on TV every night? Do you like your cities being burned? Do you like the nation going the direction it's going? Well, God has given you a choice. In the next three or four weeks, you can make a big difference. You can make a big impact on your nation. Listen, let's make that choice today. Let's choose to say we're not going to be the same. Let's choose to say we're not going to keep going Through this routine. I'm not just going to keep showing up and going home and showing up. And I'm going to make a difference in my church. I'm going to make a difference in my community. I'm going to make a difference in my country. He's inviting you to choose today. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Let's take a stand. Let's make a difference. Our country is sick. Our country is under siege Our country is under attack. Help me make a difference. Listen, we're not just telling you something that we're going to raise money and send off some. We're doing it. And we're helping teaching others to do it. We're we're leading other pastors. We're meeting them in Atlanta. We're meeting them in Virginia. We're meeting them in Ohio. And we're trying to spread this movement around our country. The only thing that's going to change our country, it's not going to be Washington. It's not going to be this election. It's not going to be the politicians in the Senate and the the politicians in Congress. Listen, it's not going to be any of that. It's going to be salt and light. It's going to be people who decide to make a choice and do the right thing and start making disciples that make disciples. Would you help me?